0: Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grassfed Salsa, and with me is my co-host, Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. Michelle and I are thrilled to be welcoming back to the show Elena Hebert to talk about fertility and pregnancy for those with autoimmune diseases. If you don't know Elena, she is the creator of the website Grazed and Enthused, co-author of the Healing Kitchen cookbook, author of the amazing ebook, Enthused, and Mama to her little mini-me, Grace. I met with Elena to talk about her preconception journey, what she did to combat ovarian failure and infertility, what her diet looked like to support a healthy pregnancy, and more. (laughs)
1: Curious, Elena, what's new in your life? Um, new for me professionally, I just released my first ebook um, that I published all on my own called Enthused. And you can get that on my website. And that was a big project because I was acting as recipe developer, photographer, editor, writer, all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm glad that's off my chest, just in time for the holidays. And new personally and related to our podcast topic today is My daughter just started um, preschool two days a week, a couple weeks ago. So that's like a whole newfound freedom for both of us. And it's been really healthy and nice to have some of that like bodily space again, where I'm not constantly needed and constantly have a kid attached to me. So um, it's been nice. Yeah, that's so exciting. Um, So for me, when we record this,
0: I know we keep going back and forth because this is so much in the future. But, um, right now, I am prepping to have our baby by next Friday. So that's super exciting Amazing. and scary. Um, <laughs> it's so crazy to me to think that, like, in a week, I will be like having my last solo day, like just me and my husband. It's just so crazy,
1: yeah, it's wild. That thought actually kept me up at night through most of my pregnancy was, I'm not going to have dinner alone with my husband ever again. And honestly, we really haven't, um, unless you schedule a date night, which we're not very good about. Um, and then, yeah, just the fact that life will never, ever, ever be the same. And you know, that date's coming, like you have six more sleeps until it happens. It's pretty wild, but it's also fantastic and such a, a life change that just grows you in a way that no other life change really can.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what um, we're looking forward to, like the positive aspects of it. But we're just a little bit nervous about how it'll change our lives. So anyway, it's it's an exciting time nonetheless. So for everybody who's listening, we had a version done last week and it didn't work. So I, it actually put me at peace, a lot of peace about the whole situation because I feel like considering the... Doctor and the midwife, just not even days before having the version done, both said that they were, like, so confident it was going to be successful, so the fact that it wasn't makes me feel very confident that there's a reason for her being in this position, but we are still doing what we can to try to get her to flip, so we're doing, trying Moxie, which is a new thing that I hadn't been doing before, still doing chiropractic, acupuncture, inversions, all the above, so... We'll see what happens but if not they've scheduled a c-section for next week all right so elena why don't you tell us what you are loving lately
1: oh well i just finished actually right before we got on this call but i'm loving bar three online workouts and i've talked about them a little bit on my instagram stories but i found bar three when i went through kind of a workout rut after i had grace um, back in may 2016 And I was trying to find the right exercise for me that wasn't overtaxing my body since I'm on my feet all day with her and not getting the best sleep and not the best diet anymore and not regular consistent meals. So it was hard for me to find a workout that wasn't um, fatiguing me too much or contributing to my autoimmune disease. So I found bar three, Um, Haley Staley recommended it. And I'm so glad that she recommended it because it's actually helped rehab my pelvis postpartum almost 18 months later, like my pelvis was still super rotated really out of balance, even with weekly chiropractic visits. So bar three has really helped uh, restore core function, restore pelvic floor function and strength and stability throughout my trunk. So I really recommend um, those workouts. They range from like 10 minutes to 60 minutes. So you can fit them in during your day at home and you can do them online on bar 3com You can sign up for a monthly subscription, or you can go to a studio. I think they have 130 studios around the country. They just don't have any in my town. But that is, yeah, I've been trying to do that three times a week and really loving it and seeing really fast results. Like within a couple of weeks, I saw results.
0: Yeah. We just recorded an episode with a um, autoimmune strong. That's her website, autoimmune strong and her online program. Um, so she's a autoimmune fitness expert. And we were just talking about how, or I was just talking about how bar classes have been like the one thing that really i see change really quickly in my body and so even though i gravitate more towards like hit and boots boot camp style workouts those bar classes are just so effective so i'm excited to try those yeah okay so let's get into the topic why don't you tell us about your path to conception
1: okay so my path to conception was not just a year long or two years long, it was over seven years long. I was diagnosed with premature ovarian failure in my early 20s, which was a very emotionally difficult diagnosis for me to receive and really was kind of the hallmark of my 20s, like what everything I was doing with my health was gearing up towards. Uh, It wasn't, I have Hashimoto's. Um, I think we talked about that in the first time I recorded with you guys a few months ago, but Me healing and me starting AIP, my end goal wasn't to get my Hashimoto's in remission because that was just such a small piece of it. My end goal was to restore my fertility and to have children because that was what was going to make me happy. Getting my Hashimoto's in remission was hopefully going to happen along the way, but my main goal was having my own baby and specifically I really wanted a daughter. So that worked out really well because my firstborn is a little girl named Grace. And it was a long road. I did a bunch of different alternative and conventional medicine Um, it would take me like an hour to explain everything that I went through with that. But eventually I found a really good functional medicine doctor. We, um, did certain like nutritional protocols while I was on AIP, certain supplements. Um, I started some compounded progesterone for four months and that helped restore my cycle. So one of my hallmarks of my infertility was amenorrhea and, and ovulation. So I wasn't having a period. I also wasn't ovulating, of course. So That was almost a decade long. So we had to reverse all of that and like really help my body remember how to create hormones and how to use those hormones for the purpose of reproduction. So within, let's see, I was on the progesterone for four months and then I actually took myself off of it because I just felt like I was in a better place and I wanted to see if my body was going to left off. And in fact, I was able to conceive on my fourth cycle after I got off the progesterone. So That was kind of amazing, like a miracle. We weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. I had just finished my master's program and was starting my career. So it wasn't the ideal time to get pregnant, but it's what the universe had in store for me and I wouldn't have changed it or had it any other way. So that's kind of like the short of my uh, infertility and conception journey. But if you have any specific questions, I can answer those.
0: So did you use any particular type of testing to find out about like needing progesterone?
1: Yes. So I did both the four point cortisol salivary test and I, you might know the company that does that, but they also include your estrogen progesterone. I think it's like four, three or four types of estrogen in there with your saliva. And we were using that tracking it every three to four months to see if the supplements I was taking were making an um, having an effect, a positive effect on my hormone levels. And they were So once we saw that positive trend going up, that's when I felt comfortable getting off of everything and seeing how my body did Uh, after that on its own. And the real testament to everything coming back into play for my reproductive hormones was after I had grace, breastfeeding. So breastfeeding suppressed ovulation in my period. But at 13 months, I got my period back. And that was the first time I had naturally gotten my period um except for the four months prior to getting pregnant in almost a decade and then ever since then i've gotten my period almost every 28 days and i'm ovulating so this is my body you know pregnancy almost reset me in a way like this is my body functioning at an optimal level and like it functioned before my autoimmune diagnosis
0: so what do you think was like the main catalyst for for like fixing all of your hormone imbalances
1: The main, I mean, the main catalyst was my goal for having a baby and I was experiencing a ton of anxiety as I was going through my master's program and um, just a lot of anxiety and just not feeling like myself and just constantly being worried about the future and whether or not I'd be able to have children. Honestly, it was, that was really the main driver. All the other symptoms of Hashimoto's are really things that I could live with um, because they were physical symptoms and I tried not to let them get in the way of me leading a really... Uh, healthy and fulfilled life. But the thought of not being able to have a child was really my main driver. Yeah,
0: that was always my motivator with AIP as well, just to kind of prep myself for having a baby. And I think it helped for me specifically, but everybody's different. Everybody's hormone imbalances are different.
1: Yes. And actually, the several months leading up to conception, so I conceived in August 2015, I was actually in like full fledged in the midst of well, I was actually in a flare, but I was also writing The Healing Kitchen at the same time. So I was eating a ton of really nourishing, AIP-friendly foods, and they were you know, always in my fridge. I never had to go out and grab dinner or grab convenient snacks. I was eating a ton of salmon, I remember, like a lot of leafy greens, because The Healing Kitchen is all about including the most nourishing, nutrient-dense foods in your diet. So it just happened that uh, around the time I was about to turn in the initial manuscript is when we conceived.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of good timing for you, I guess.
1: <laughs> so
0: did you, were you eating like salmon and leafy greens specifically for like fertility or was it more just intuitively and and that's what you had?
1: Yeah, it was definitely more intuitively. Like I was just craving salmon. And even during my pregnancy, I crave salmon almost every single day. But yeah, I was craving a lot of omega-3s, a lot of leafy greens, um, starchy roots, like here and there, a lot of good healthy fats from coconut, avocado, olive oil, all that kind of stuff that we talk about on AIP and bone broth. So it is pretty interesting how the autoimmune protocol is set up to decrease chronic inflammation and rebalance your gut and decrease autoimmune symptoms. But it's also kind of a fertility diet in a way because it's giving you and your baby all of those nutrients that it needs for healthy development, especially in the first trimester, when you need all those B vitamins and Omega threes. So yeah,
0: both times. So we had a miscarriage in Jan last January and both times we, when we started trying to get pregnant, we got pregnant very quickly. So with the first baby and then now with this baby and both times I was on following AIP, um, a hundred percent. And I feel like the same thing. And I've mentioned this to you before about it being like a fertility diet i would love to yeah, see yeah. like a study on that because yeah not, i would too. i don't know it's just an n equals one experience experiment for me but just based on the imbalances that i had previously i and the fact that i've been diagnosed with pcos and endometriosis like the fact that it was so easy for me to conceive it just seems like i don't know there has to be some type of correlation there yeah i agree all right, so you had the AIP diet prior to conception. Uh, did you make any lifestyle changes?
1: Um, well, I was at a very stressful point of my life, um, working 60 hours a week on the cookbook and then also in a full-time master's, uh, full-time master's program and doing my master's uh, research thesis project and getting that wrapped up all at the same time as handing in the Healing Kitchen manuscript. So I definitely wasn't in a stress management state by any means which is kind of interesting. I really wasn't in, I wasn't in the best place emotionally when I conceived, to be quite honest. I wasn't in some like Zen place where I was doing yoga and meditating every day and doing belly breathing or anything like that. It just, it it happened when it happened, probably because we weren't trying and we were just kind of living life and going through, through life. And I was still, you know, doing, doing what I could with eating the right foods. And I also, because I was in a flare and I think I've mentioned this, I don't know to you before, but Um, maybe on another podcast, but because I was in a flare, I'd actually gained 30 pounds on my usually small frame. And and I think that extra weight, even though I didn't like it and I was uncomfortable with myself and none of my clothes fit, that extra weight I think did help signal to my brain like this body can sustain a pregnancy. So that was also kind of a blessing in disguise at the time I hated it, but then it also resulted, I think in a big part with me conceiving. Yeah. The fun, I just remembered.
0: So like the very first day that I met you, you told me and, and the friends that we were with, um, that you were pregnant and you were like, I haven't even really told
1: anybody yet. So yeah, you were like, the first people I told besides my husband, I think I was like eight weeks pregnant. It was like, my, I had just moved to Austin. So this was the first girl's night I was attending. I remember like sitting on the floor at Leslie's apartment and I was like, I can't drink wine cause I'm pregnant. And I just had to tell somebody and I was like, I don't even know these people. So this is perfect. Like if something happens to the pregnancy or if, if, you know, I can't sustain it. Like at least it's not my family that I have to talk to about it right away. That's kind of where my head was at because during, I think during that phase, I still was in that fearful place um, of just kind of being in awe that I got pregnant and also being scared that I wasn't going to be able to sustain it because I was in a Hashimoto slur at the time. So. It was kind of a, like a relieving situation for me to finally tell people. So is that why,
0: since you were having a flare, is that why you chose to stick to AIP during pregnancy?
1: Um, Well, I had some reintroductions that I did bring through pregnancy, but I didn't reintroduce a ton of new food. Like I didn't introduce nightshades or anything like that during pregnancy. I did have dairy once because I had a very strong craving for pizza. So I was like, let's try it. So I went and got a gluten free, nightshade free pizza and I got a sinus infection the next day. So even with my immune system suppressed during pregnancy, I still had a reaction to the dairy. So that was my cue of like, okay, let's just stick to what you know and what you know makes you feel the best. And those are also the foods that are gonna help Grace grow into a healthy little girl. So um yeah, I so my reintroductions are rice and like seed spices and Um, I'm not like a sugar Nazi. Like I will go and have some coconut milk ice cream or like a treat, like a gluten-free treat and that kind of stuff. So chocolate chip cookies, I used to make paleo chocolate chip cookies during pregnancy all the time. So I didn't, I wasn't like super strict with myself, but I also made sure to include all the healing foods that I knew would be beneficial.
0: Did you do like research on that
1: or was it going back? Yeah, definitely intuitive. intuitive, So I would go grocery shopping. I know this isn't something most people could do, but I would go grocery shopping probably three times a week. And I would just- not go with a list and just look at Whole Foods. and in, in Austin, we had the best Whole Foods ever and so many options there. And I would just say, what am I in the mood for this week? So a lot of the times I was in the mood for more fatty proteins when I was pregnant. So we had ribs once a week. We had salmon several times a week. Um, we would have chicken thighs instead of chicken breasts, whereas now I crave chicken breasts instead of chicken thighs, interestingly and we'd have steak and burger night, like almost every night. So we did a lot of high quality animal foods when I was pregnant, because that's really what I was craving the most. And I also craved sweet potatoes a lot and mango, clementines, oranges, like a bunch of citrus fruits and orange colored foods. So um I would just go to the store and just, hey, what am I in the mood for this week? I wasn't really on a budget when I was pregnant. My, to me, like, It was more important for me to be eating what I was craving and what my body needed than to be on a budget at that point. So it was kind of it was fun. I miss those days. (laughs) My diet is not nearly as great these days.
0: (laughs) That's exactly where I am right now with just kind of going with what sounds good, which is fruits and berries, like you said, citrus fruits. Not a lot of meat. Um, I was able to like reintroduce meat in the second trimester, but my nausea to a much, much less severe extent has returned in the third tri- trimester. So it's been food has been like kind of difficult. And yeah.
1: yeah, just like you're saying, like going to the store and just being like, okay, what sounds My nausea also returned around 34 weeks, I think, where I was also vomiting again because I had really bad morning sickness like you did my first trimester, and mine lasted until around 17 weeks, and then it led up between 17 and about 34 weeks, so I did have like a good um, 17 weeks in there where I was able to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks and keep it in and really eat a lot of like big nourishing meals, especially during the second trimester that's really important trimester I remember uh, there was at least a week where I was just eating Powerballs like those AIP Powerballs you could buy online I would just eat those like two packs for breakfast two packs for lunch I try to get in like a salad and some protein for dinner but yeah there's definitely sometimes even during third trimester where you just have to go with what what you're feeling
0: well, I know so I know this is an issue for a lot of people who are either trying to follow AIP or trying to follow a paleo template and because of their inversions, aversions and their like illnesses and everything, it's like really difficult for them to stick to that, especially when like me all that sounds good is or the only thing that sounds like it won't make me throw up is like white potatoes. So, what kind of foods were you able to include when you were having those types of aversions
1: so i remember my first trimester we would go to um Wheatsville, that co-op and we would get pale i forget the cereal is called but it's called like paleo flakes that's made out of coconut and because i mean yes i think so and i was just having cereal cravings like even today i've been a little nauseous and postpartum which we can talk about if we have time um But even today I was craving cereal. So I just had some brown rice cereal. So I do have AIP introductions that aren't even paleo, but that work for me. And, um, yeah. So one of those things is, is gluten-free cereal, usually like a brown rice flour cereal. I do perfectly fine with like it satiates me if I'm nauseous. Uh, it keeps me full and I don't have any like blood sugar swings or autoimmune symptoms from it. So cereal was one of them. White rice was another big one during pregnancy. So I would buy organic jasmine white rice, soak it for 20 minutes, which makes it a little bit easier to digest. And then I would cook it in bone broth in the instant pot. And I would always make meat with it because my husband's a big meat eater. But if I wasn't feeling meat that night, then I would just have a big bowl of white rice. And then I put coconut aminos on top. And and I had bone broth in it. And I was like, I'm calling it a day. I put some you know sauteed kale on it. And that was my dinner sometimes. So It's okay. Like, I think there's a fear, and I get messages a lot from women on AIP who are pregnant, and they're so scared to stray from AIP during pregnancy, but you have a couple things on your side. Your body doesn't want to turn against you during pregnancy, so your immune system is suppressed, and you may be able to eat some foods that you normally don't tolerate, so play around with it a a little bit. Um, Don't introduce a bunch of stuff at once. I wouldn't introduce something like a nightshade during pregnancy because that just really ramps up the immune system for a lot of people. And that's usually a huge trigger for most. So something that maybe doesn't give you too much of an issue, like decaf coffee or white rice or some nuts here and there and like an energy bar or something like that. So I played around with stuff like that when I was pregnant and I didn't have any autoimmune symptoms. My autoimmune disease went into remission during pregnancy, even with all these reintroductions. Um, I'd actually, I lost a lot of the 30 pounds that was on my body that was excess from that flare. I lost it during pregnancy, even though my belly was growing and she was growing, I actually ended up at delivery, I think like 12 pounds lighter than when I started pregnancy. So at, at once I had the baby, I was 12 pounds lighter than when I started. So even with all those reintroductions and eating really well, my body's inflammation markers definitely calmed down.
0: The nightshades is interesting to me because I've been able to reintroduce almost everything, but nightshades seem to consistently give me issues. Um, And mostly the nightshade vegetables that I know I wouldn't tolerate well prior to being pregnant, so that I'd already tried reintroducing unsuccessfully, but pretty much everything else I've been able to kind of indulge in and not feel any negative repercussions from it. Um, but I'm, so I'm assuming that since you had already been like writing the healing kitchen, you had already gone through reintroductions
1: on AIP before you got pregnant, right? Yeah. So I had been, before I started writing the healing kitchen, I had already been AIP for a full year with very minimal reintroductions. Like I think I had reintroduced chocolate and some seed spices and rice. So I had just very minimal reintroductions at that point. And then as I started writing The Healing Kitchen, I actually was able to reintroduce a few more foods, even though I was in a flare, which is interesting. And then during pregnancy, I was able to eat a lot wider variety of foods and include a little bit more sugar in my diet. Whereas before I had to be on basically a 21 DSD in order to keep my Hashimoto's and histamine intolerance symptoms in check. So I do want people to realize like, what you're experiencing now isn't forever, even though you think it is, or it may feel like it's never going to change. It's not. It's kind of amazing how the body bounces back and how your your gut balance can change from minute to minute. So if you think about it like that, what you do today is going to change your gut balance tomorrow. So if you put in a lot of good work into AIP and um, into gut healing, whatever that means to you, For a few months or a year, however long it takes, it's different for everybody. So there's no number. Everyone asks me how long does it take to heal. There's not a number. Don't ask that question. There's not a number for us to give anybody. Um, You're gonna, you're, it's, you're. um, What's the word I'm looking for? You're contributing to your health in the long term. So all the work I did on AIP a year and a half ago is still affecting my health today and my gut balance today, and that's why I can reintroduce so many more foods now.
0: What are some foods or nutrients? that are AIP compliant that you feel like are really important for ladies to include either preconception or during pregnancy?
1: Um, basically the ones I already mentioned. So a lot of leafy greens, uh, those are actually really, I was estrogen dominant at the time of trying to conceive or time of conception, I should say. And I was eating a lot of leafy greens because those actually help flush out estrogen and excess hormones. Um, so if you're estrogen dominant, I would definitely look into working with a functional medicine practitioner on that. Or there's a book called The Hormone Cure by Dr. Sarah Gottfried. And that is a book that I'm reading right now that I really recommend to other women that have had any sort of hormonal balance because she gives a specific protocol for each type of hormonal imbalance, whether it's low or high cortisol, low or high estrogen, low progesterone. So um, I was just reading the chapter on excess estrogen, and she was talking about uh, eating a lot of leafy greens and bone broth just so that you can get your gut health in check because our gut health directly impacts our child's gut health. And the omega-3s is really important, Um, not just taking a fish oil supplement, but really doing your best to include multiple times a week, wild salmon, wild trout, wild cod, um, low mercury seafood. You could even do like small fish, like canned sardines, canned oysters, that kind of thing. Um, Oysters are really great source of zinc especially on AIP we don't have a ton of uh, sources of zinc that are really strong because we can't do something like a pumpkin seed on AIP so oysters are really important and they were a big piece of my first trimester diet so I would do oysters on plantain chips with avocado for lunch every single day even when I was really nauseous that was one of the foods I could actually tolerate
0: that's one of my favorite ways to eat uh, oysters as well Is on plantain chips with either like a I love that kite hill cheese and oh yeah, then, um, avocado. So yeah, still- and a little
1: sauerkraut too is really good.
0: And that okay, so that book that you have that you were talking about, the Sarah Gottfried
1: book, I have that as well. The Hormone Cure, I think she renamed it. It. I have a 2013 copy that's been sitting on my bookshelf for half a decade. So
0: <laughs> me too. Um, so I will. I will link in the show notes what she. That calls it now because I don't I don't know what it's called now.
1: Yeah, and it may have some updated science in it, but even the 2013 version, like she has a ton of scientific references in there. She doesn't recommend something unless it's been backed by a randomized double blind study. Um, so that's something I really appreciate because you buy all these health books and it's like do this and do this, and it's like they're not being backed by science and they're anecdotally working for people. And it's interesting because during my conception journey, I was going to acupuncturist and Chinese herbal therapists and I was spending so much money on these supplements and they weren't doing anything and she actually mentions a lot of those supplements in her book and it was kind of validating for me because I was like I spent so much money on that stuff and it did nothing and then once I started doing more science-based protocols like AIP is science-based the compound of progesterone was science-based stress management is science-based that kind of stuff that's when I started seeing more results Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's good to know So what type of movement or workouts did you do while you were pregnant?
1: Uh, While I was pregnant, I stayed really, really active. Um, I actually worked out harder when I was pregnant than I do now, if you believe it. Um, I did the sweat app. So I worked out at home. I wasn't a member of a gym. So I did Kayla Itstein's, I think, sweat app. They're 28-minute workouts. I did that three times a week. And then because we lived in Austin, we went hiking at least three or four times a week. And we would do up to six-mile hikes. Um, and I also walked my dog every single day and I was able to jog um, about a mile at a time up until about 32 weeks pregnant. And at that point it started not feeling good. So I stayed really active. I made sure to do something every single day and I wore a Fitbit during pregnancy. I no longer wear one, but I wore a Fitbit and I made sure to get my 10,000 steps every single day. And it was like a fun goal for me. Like at, if at 6 p.m. I only had 6,000. Then I would take my dog for a walk.
0: That's amazing. I've... My movement
1: is so low (laughs) these days. So low. It's terrible. Well, you know what? Because I started pregnancy in that flare, I was determined to have like a super healthy pregnancy and my energy finally came back. So prior to the pregnancy, I had no energy through that Hashimoto's squared workout and exercise is a big part of my identity. So once I started feeling really amazing during pregnancy and had bounds and bounds of energy, I was like, let's use it. Like, let's go, guys. (laughs) Let's do that six mile hike. So it was, and you know what? I don't get to exercise as much as I'd like to anymore. So <laughs> that was uh, my time to do it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I'd love to talk more about postpartum also. Um, but before we get there, so do you have any tips for the listeners who have autoimmunity or chronic illness and
1: either they're trying to conceive or they're pregnant? Um, I'm going to shift, you know, I think you should work with your doctor for more health-based tips, more physical health-based tips, but I'm going to shift more to the emotional, mental health piece because that's been a big part of my journey. And it's, we always hear be easy on yourself, but I kind of interpret that as listen to yourself, understand yourself, think out loud, like where is this fear coming from or where is this um, maybe lack of insight or a lack of trust coming from. And so what I do is I actually look at myself in the mirror and I started this when I was pregnant, when I was having a lot of fear about a miscarriage, I would look at myself in the mirror and I'd be, you know, tears streaming down my face, but I would say, why are you so scared? And then I would just blurt out. I'm so scared because I've been going through this flare. I'm so scared because I was in this volatile relationship in the past and I don't trust myself. I was so scared because I feel alone in this new city with nobody here, but my husband, you know, stuff like that. I'd get really deep with it and even go back to my childhood. And those were really healing moments for me where I just kind of felt everything, like my shoulders drop and my breath get a little bit looser. And I just felt like, okay, I can trust myself and I can trust the universe that this is going to work out. And I think that's a big piece of autoimmune healing is to... To trust yourself, but to also let go a little bit, because we're also uptight. And we're those Type A personalities that want to control, 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 and you can't control everything. And if you keep thinking you can control everything, you're going to keep yourself sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of those things that
0: people tend to like push to the side because energy and mantras and all of that seems like a little bit crazy and like not founded in anything. But I went to, so the day after the version didn't work, I went to an energy worker. And she was recommended to me by Dr. Amy Myers, who's also in the autoimmune wellness space. And she had me, so she did a couple things to, a couple techniques that she showed me and James to try to encourage our baby to flip. But what was really, really impactful for her was to try to help me accept the fact that a that to try to figure out if I was holding on to any fears or negative emotions that were kind of keeping her from flipping and so she did a couple different muscle response techniques where um, she asked me questions or she had me repeat after her like I'm okay I don't have fear over a unmedicated birth and then she would test my strength and see Like, if I was holding on to any of those emotions. And what came back was that I had shame around a cesarean. And then she asked if it was my shame or if it was someone else's shame. And what I, like, realized in this moment was that it's not a shame that I have about myself. Because I know that I've done everything I can. But it's a shame of well where we identified it was it was a shame of my husband's and that may sound terrible but what it is is like something that i've pushed onto him and pushed onto myself so i've been leading up to pregnancy i've been watching a lot of or leading up to labor i've been watching a lot of birth stories like live videos and in every one i'm going to like try not to cry in every single one the husband is always there he's so supportive he's so proud of his wife he's kissing her and like taking care of her and being her rock and to me it's like the fact that i won't be able to have that is what's really difficult about having a cesarean the thought of having a cesarean is not like having my husband be there and be proud of me because of what i'm going through and what i'm doing for us and our baby <laughs> like anyway so obviously it's something that i still need to work with but after she had me realize that it was just like this weight had been lifted and um since then i haven't until now um have not cried about the thought of a cesarean like i just felt so at peace with it and almost a little bit like comforted by it just because it felt so safe and right after i like kind of accepted that so i do think that What you're saying here about accepting, like dealing with your fears and facing them head on and figuring out how to deal with them. And I don't know, all of that's just so impactful. And it's something that you had been telling me for so long, but I didn't really know how to do it until I went to somebody who guided me through the process of identifying what those were.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I had to experience that myself in different forms of energy healing um not always like so i've done reiki since um you know in the last few months i've been doing some reiki and i've also took my level one and so i've started to do it on myself and it, it really is amazing how we can display something to the outside world and it's completely something else on the inside of us so i think that that you going to the energy healer is amazing the fact that you feel at peace with your cesarean means that your daughter is going to be coming into this world in such a loving, beautiful way. And that she's still coming from you. She's still yours. I also had that fear about the cesarean. I really did. Um, That's something that also kept me up at night, but I also in the back of my mind kept thinking like, she's still coming out of me. This amazing thing is still something I built inside of me and she's coming out of me and coming into my arms and that either way, however it happens, it's such a beautiful experience.
0: Yeah. And again, it's not like something that James has ever put on me. Like he tells me all the time how proud he is of me and how this is not something that he would ever be able to do. And, um, like he's written me so many letters about it and everything. So I just wanted to clarify that it's not something that he put on me. It's something that I put on myself. So I, and that's another piece of advice that I wanted to give. And it's something that you've talked to me about as well Is like if there's a book or if, the thought of like being 100% AIP compliant is causing you like stress or shame because you feel like you can't be compliant while you're pregnant, then like stop listening to that. Stop watching those videos. Stop reading that book because there's no point in shaming yourself about something that's out of your control or if your intuition is telling you that a different route is better for you. So don't always go based off of what you're reading or what you're seeing. Okay, so let's move on to um, just a few questions about postpartum. So there was something that you had said about. I think you wanted to talk about AIP postpartum.
1: Did you say? Did you mention that earlier? Today. Um, did I? Oh, I was saying that I I have some of the nausea from pregnancy still postpartum. So that's actually um forced me to choose different foods than I thought I was going to choose postpartum. Um so it, in the fourth trimester, so those first few months after I had Grace, I was eating really well, really consistently. You're breastfeeding, so you're freaking starving all the time. You have to eat like five or six times a day. You're like a bodybuilder at that point. And I was eating really well. I had a big support system around me those first few months who were helping feed me, including you girls. And it was easy. And I also had my husband at home. He worked from home the first six months of our daughter's life, which is an incredible blessing. I don't, I have so much, like, I just can't imagine doing it by myself. Like, I just don't know how I would have stayed home every single day by myself those first six months. I think I, I think that's why I avoided postpartum depression, to be quite honest. So once we moved to Florida and my husband went to work, you know, 50 hours a week outside the house and, you know, I'm the. Primary caretaker by and large for my daughter. I don't even have a babysitter. Um, my diet kind of went to you know where. <laughs> so you know I might skip breakfast some days, or I'm eating lunch on the fly, or I'm doing that thing that all moms do, where you just eat the leftovers off their tray. And thankfully, Grace eats really healthy food. But <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at these days, and I'm just being completely honest. I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect now with my diet, but that is something that is. I'm not a big new year's resolution person, but that is my resolution for 2018 is to start taking care of myself again, because that is something that's gone on the back burner. So, um, again, like postpartum, you have to be really forgiving with yourself with your diet. Like I didn't go into it thinking I was going to eat AIP again. I was just like, I'm going to try and eat when I can. And that's basically where I'm at right now. Like I'm going to eat when I can. So this morning I made a uh, broiled salmon salad with spring mix and kraut and avocado. And the second I took a bite of the salmon, I didn't feel good. So I had to put that away. So I'm still kind of struggling with that postpartum, but it's something that I'm working on. And finally that my daughter's in preschool now, I can go to a doctor because <laughs> I'm really not a great example for a postpartum. <laughs> we probably shouldn't talk about it, but I'm now that she's in preschool next year, I'm going to start going to a doctor again and kind of seeing what's up, like where are my hormones at? Um, I feel really good about my reproductive hormones, but I just don't feel great about my digestion at this point. So um, I'm eliminating really well and all that kind of stuff. It just get men, you can help me cause you're a health coach, but I just get really nauseous when I eat now. And I'm not quite sure if it's from stress or what. So, um, I started taking, um, and I know uh, there's a lot of other women who feel like this postpartum. We actually, there was a thread on a parenthood forum the other day and a bunch of us responded like, oh my gosh, we all have this issue. We just don't have an appetite or we get really sick when we eat. Um, so I started Bating HCL, and digestive enzymes, and they haven't really helped yet, but I'm hoping it kicks in. But if you have any suggestions, I'm sure there's some ladies out there listening that kind of feel the same way.
0: Those were the two things I was going to suggest. And you could try a couple different digestive enzymes to see if they, like different ones might work for you better or worse. And one thing that a lot of people don't know is you can return supplements to Whole Foods or Natural Grocers even after op- opening them. So if you purchase them there and you feel like it's not working for you, go ahead and return it. Don't feel guilty about that because those things are so exp- so expensive. Right now, I have one called um, Zygest, I think is the brand. And then I really like... Um, enzymatica's digest gold
1: okay, I can sell it on the past.
0: yeah and then for
1: the hcl are you making did you test to see how much you needed to take well i've been taking one and i get that burning sensation so i'm under my awareness i'm supposed to stop
0: yeah <laughs> right. so you may not need them then you may be producing yeah. enough stomach acid
1: yeah, so I don't really know what's going on there. But what I have been doing for the past few weeks, because it's really kind of amped up over the past few weeks, probably from stress, from releasing the ebook and the holidays coming up, is I just buy epic, um, epic brand bone broth or Bonafide Provisions bone broth or Kettle and Fire like a pre made bone broth, and I just drink it straight either warm it up in a mug in the microwave, or I just drink it um, cold out of the fridge. And that's kind of like my meal if I'm not feeling great. So I found ways around it that are still in the AIP healing template. They're just, my food doesn't look like it used to, but I try to make it a version of what it used to be, but to fit my current lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that's what I've been doing a lot lately too, is a lot of soups and bone broth. And just because it's an easy way to get carbs, veggies, protein, in when you don't feel like eating and nothing else sounds good. Um, okay. So what is your best advice for raising a mostly AIP
1: baby? Oh, well, we started Grace on, she was AIP like completely for wow, from six months to I'm going to say 14, 15, 16 months. Like it was only until recently. I tried a little bit of organic white rice with her. Um, she eats eggs so she she didn't tolerate eggs immediately but she eats eggs now so basically what i did was i followed super um super nutrition for babies it's a book you can buy on amazon it's only like 10 bucks and they have a month by month guide of healing and nourishing foods you can introduce to your baby now the book isn't AIP or paleo so you can kind of take and leave what you want so they had some like whey like dairy fermented stuff in there that we didn't include in grace's diet But they also gave me really amazing ideas for really nourishing foods, like um, different ways to prepare liver. Um, We also do US Wellness Meats, Liverwurst and Braunschweiger. And that is probably my number one food recommendation for your kids, because it's a soft sausage that you don't even have to recook. It's already fully cooked. You can just chop it up for your kid. And it's soft. It's made out of, um, I think, up to 30 to 40% of organ meat, depending on which one you buy. So if you don't like preparing organ meat or you get lazy about it or you can't source good organ meat, buy these sausages. They're a kind of a godsend. They're $12.95 for the pound. We open up one every week, every Sunday, and she finishes it by the next Sunday. So every single week, she's getting organ meats from um, quality, good-raised animals. Um, fish eggs are a really big one, especially when your kid's little and starting their pincher grasp. You can get those from Vital Choice. Um, sardines, mackerel. We do Crown Prince, smoked oysters, and Bar Harbor. Um, They have a really good smoked sardine that she really likes. So we do a ton of seafood with her. We introduce pastured soy-free eggs. So if you can find in your grocery store pastured eggs that say soy-free on the carton, that way if your kid has a reaction, you can be more sure that it's from the egg white or the egg yolk versus the soy feed that the chicken's getting. So we're really careful about what eggs we give her. Um, And any kind of vegetable cooked in bone broth is amazing for kids. They can pick it up if it's a big chunk and gnaw on it. And it kind of just kind of, you know, dissolves in their mouth. So it's not a choking hazard. And she does spoons of fat. Like once she got a little older that we knew she wasn't going to aspirate on them, she'll do spoons of ghee and coconut oil and coconut butter. So we'll just put a spoon on her tray and she just nibbles on it. And like we talk to her while she's eating and she loves it. So those are my big ones with her. Um, I haven't introduced any like junk food, processed food types of things yet. She did just start preschool, but we talked to the preschool teachers. We told her her, we call them allergies. They're really just our food preferences. But um, given my health history, I don't want to risk it with her, especially at this age as her gut microbiome is starting to build up. This is a really important time with her life to be eating the most nourishing foods they can. So they're really good about it at her preschool. So tomorrow we're going to a pizza party and I'm going to make my pizza from the healing kitchen and bring it for grace. So there's ways around that. Um, And we just, now that she's, you know, she's little, she's under our care. We can control what she's eating, but I'm not going to try and control it for her entire childhood. I just don't think that's fair. Like I want to teach her to make the right choices or the choices that she wants to make in that moment, even if I don't think they're the best choices If they're the best choices for her in that moment, then that'll make me happy. So that's kind of where we're at with it. But um, I share a lot of the food she eats on my Instagram stories. And I also have been sharing the food that I'm packing her to for her school. So you guys can get some ideas for what to pack your kids.
0: Yeah, I love following along with that. I feel like I've liked watching what you've been feeding her since before I even got pregnant. It's just really interesting to me. She eats probably better than
1: anybody else I know. (laughs) Better than me. Like I'm not eating as well as that girl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a lucky little baby.
0: Okay, so uh, let's end this with our meal of the week. So do you have a meal that you've been
1: making lately and loving? <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, ah, I don't eat. I'm always nauseous. Um, something I've been making like at least twice a week is the caramelized onion and ricotta pizza from my new ebook, Enthused. I crave it like, I mean, I literally crave it every day, but I'm like, I can't make it every single day. That's just, you know, you don't want to eat the same thing over and over. So I make it at least twice a week and every time the craving strikes basically. And it is so good. The ricotta is like a coconut butter, um, mixed with a little coconut milk and truffle salt. So you get that like umami taste of ricotta cheese and it's creamy and you broil it and it gets like a little brown and bubbly with the caramelized onion. And thyme and fresh garlic on the crust. It's so good. So that's like my number one recommendation. If you do go and grab my ebook is make that recipe first. I love
0: that. Yeah, I have your ebook. I need to, I haven't made anything from it yet.
1: Well, you're almost going to have a baby. So you're, <laughs> I understand.
0: <laughs> well, next week I have off all weeks. So I think our meals will actually get a little bit more um, real because lately they've just been like throw, throwing things together. Are you going to be doing batch cooking to... Yes, ideally. So my goal is I have a lot of, my uh, brother has a digestive autoimmune disorder. I'm not going to out him, but it is like my biggest fear to develop another digestive autoimmune disorder, which I know I need to work through. And you've reminded me of, of working through those fears so I don't manifest them. But, um, Anyway, so my goal is to at least do a 30-day full AIP reset and then transition into like my AIP. So all of my reintroductions, but just keeping the ones out that aren't there. We'll see what actually happens when she's here because I know that, you know, the stress of it all or I may just need convenience foods to be able to keep my milk supply up. So next week, I'm going to be making a lot of my AIP collagen protein bars. Um, We've already been stockpiling bone broth and some casseroles. What else? I'm going to make a lot of my Nomado sauce from my website. But yeah, I'm going to dive into your ebook. And then my parents are coming. And then James's mom is coming. So I'm going to use The Healing Kitchen which is my favorite cookbook and then your new ebook to have them cook for us.
1: Yes, I was gonna say don't cook for them
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I've already had the conversation with them that was like, okay you're not coming to help me take care of the baby. you're coming to take care of me while I take care of the baby like exactly that's.
1: That's kind of amazing you can just say that to them because that's that's what you're going to need most likely.
0: Yeah, it was a more difficult conversation with my mother-in-law, but the way I framed it was like, oh, I heard of this new theory where, like, in Chinese culture, you're supposed to – the concept is that you take care of the mother and that's what she needs during that time. And so I, I framed it as that, as like, oh, this isn't what I'm asking for. This is one new thing that I've heard of and – she thought that it made a lot of sense. So she has kids of her own. She did foster care. Um, but with my parents, I'm so comfortable just being like, nope, this is what's happening. So <laughs> yeah, they wanted to be like at the cesarean, you know, since it's scheduled out, they're like, oh, my mom's like, I, I can't keep your dad away from the hospital. I'm like, okay, well, only one person's allowed in at a time. So don't plan on getting there until I'm actually like in my room. Um which I don't know. I mean, I feel bad, but because I know they just want to be there, but I need a little bit of private time, I think.
1: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and
1: sharing your knowledge and your experiences with this. Thank you for having me again. Really fun. I love this topic. So anytime you want to have me back. I will be back. Uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Okay. My blog is graceandenthused.com. And then you can find me on Instagram under Grace and Enthused as well as Facebook. And that's about it. I always open up my email, which is elena at com, to um, questions or anybody who needs maybe a little bit of encouragement. Um, it may be a little bit until I get back to you, but I like um, to offer myself to the AIP community and the autoimmune community as a friend. So if you need a friend who understands what you're going through, you can use me. All right. Thanks, Elena. You're welcome.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me and at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.